and then we'll look at today's message. Lord, thanks for all the ways you've provided for our church. And God, I know some people probably are uncomfortable when, um, when the pastor talks about money. And um, I mean, the reality is, God, there's been leaders uh, and, and pastors, God, who have not been good stewards. Um, but Lord, we long and I long to be a good steward of all the gifts, including, God, the financial gifts that have been given. And um, God, it's just a tool. Money is just a tool and a resource. We recognize the power that it has and the power it can have over people. But at the end of the day, God, it's not about money, it's about people. And I pray, God, that ultimately this building, our vision would continue to be on people, the people that you came and lived and died for. And so as this building is built and as this building is filled with tangible items, I pray, God, beyond all that, that you would start and continue, God, what you've already started, um, stirring in the hearts of people to come back to you, to be drawn to you, to come into that building and experience uh, your presence, God, which transforms and changes people. And so, God, um, continue to provide for us so that we can see your kingdom come and be a part of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we started a three-week series called uh, Entrusted. And what we're doing is we're looking at what are ultimately the things that God has entrusted us with? Like, what are the responsibilities that ultimately God has given us? And one of the things, and it's, it was a bit sobering, is last week I, I asked the question, what are things that truly only you can do? Like, no one else can do. And it's, it's a bit sobering because you realize that you're a lot more replaceable than maybe you think. Like, people, there are other people who can do your job. There's other people who could coach the team. There's other people who can lead in whatever way or serve in whatever way or get paid to do whatever you do. We sometimes believe that only we can do it, but at the end of the day, there are very few things that only we can do. And, but there are things where we are irreplaceable, and we talked about some of those things last week. You are responsible for your relationship with God. You're responsible for your relationships, whether it's with a spouse, with your kids. And as Christians, we've been held responsible with the vision, with the task of making disciples. But to do all this, uh, it requires margin. I think when I think about one of the problems in the United States with a lot of people is lack of margin. People are just tired. People are burned out. They're saying yes to too much. And they're leaving little margin for ultimately the things that really matter. And I think what we have is we have, a, we have societally a burned out, tired people. And the problem when we say yes to too many things is that we can't give all that we should or need to give to the things that truly matter. And so this morning, what we're going to look at is if we're truly going to be responsible with the things that God has given us, and if we're going to create margin in our life, we have to create boundaries. 
boundaries that guide uh, and guard our life. I have to share with you um, the, the best news story uh, that I read this last week, and maybe some of you read it. There was an uh, art museum in Denmark, I believe, who had uh, reached out to an artist and had asked him to do some artwork and pay him $80,000, and they cut the check, and they sent him the money before they had received the artwork. The artist uh, finished, he had his money, and he sent the museum his art, and this is what it looked like. (laughs) He entitled it, Take the Money and Run. (laughs) If you go to the next photo, they actually put it up. (laughs) Go to the next one. It's amazing, first, this is just an amazing story to me. Because it's the biggest mic drop ever, first of all. It's the biggest troll for all the, you know, young people here. Um, but, but then they got it and they put it up, for, and people are looking at it. <laughs> 80 grand, he literally did nothing, just named it, take the money and run. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Like, I could do that. I'm not artistic, <laughs> but I could do that. Yeah, I could. <laughs> so, as I, as I heard that story, and, and, and I just laughed, it, it was an example of when we don't set boundaries, we can get burned. Like, you don't, you tell the artist exactly what you want, want and you don't cut the check till you get it. But that wasn't, for whatever reason, a boundary that they had set. They gave this artist free reign, and he did what he did. But it's so true when it comes to our lives, and part of living an entrusted life is, is learning to live a life with boundaries, being able to say yes, being able to say no. And when we don't set boundaries we get hurt by people, and when we don't set boundaries, we hurt people. The reality is, you cannot say yes to everything. The reality is, um, you can't let other people control you, or try to control you, or try to make the decisions in your life, or run your life. You have to take responsibility for your life, your one and only life. And it requires setting up boundaries to do just that. Boundaries are all over the Bible. In fact, the majority of the Bible is God's way of saying, do this and don't do that. Setting up boundaries in which we not only exist but flourish. See, people have taken and they go, it's rules. And I don't like rules. And I don't like religion because it's rules. But they're, they're off. It's the enemy's way of deceiving you if that's what you believe the commandments are from the Bible. I played in a golf league this last year. It was the first time I played like competitively, which I didn't like. I just like to golf and not care. Because when I'm bad, which I usually am, I don't, it doesn't matter. When it's competitive, it's just, I, don't, I didn't like the anxiety I felt. But, so I, I want to win because I'm just competitive by 
nature. And I'm, you know, you're, you're playing this other person. And I watch this guy cheat. And I, what'd you get on that hole? I got a six. Like, dude, you got a nine. <laughs> anytime you're playing a game, you know, anytime you're doing something competitive, when rules are broken, it ceases to be fun. It ceases to be enjoyable. When boundaries are, are broken, when, when we break the commandments that God has given us, it just, it's, it, life ceases to be what God wants it to be for us. It ceases ultimately to be fun. People think, oh yeah, like Christianity says you can't do this. And then they just go and they just do it. And then they realize that it's destroying their life because they thought it was going to be life-giving. And they thought it was going to bring them, you know, joy. But it doesn't because they've stepped outside the boundaries upon which God has designed things. The Bible isn't a list of rules. It's, a, it's like, it's a way of, of living that is in your best interest. Like, I don't want to play games with people that cheat. I don't want to play games where, you know, imagine you're watching football this afternoon and the, guy, the running back takes the ball and he goes out of bounds and he get, he's you know, where all the players are and the cheerleaders and the media and he runs all the way through there and then he runs to the back of the end zone and they go, touchdown. What would you do? You go, I don't want to watch this. It's cheating. There's nothing enjoyable about it. Like, it doesn't matter. You can, if you can do whatever you do, there's no point. And the same is true of boundaries when it comes to our lives. Like, they're set up for our benefit. But I found it's, it's at times very difficult, and a lot of people just flat out don't live with many. But the Bible, I mean, I'll read you three texts. Proverbs 24, 25, 17. I don't have any of the texts on the screen today, but you'll just have to trust me uh, and write them down. It says this. This is the message uh, translation. I love this. This is in Proverbs. When you find a friend, don't outwear your welcome. Show up at all hours and he'll soon get fed up. That's in the Bible. In other words, like set a boundary. If you're hanging out, too long at a friend's house, pay attention, they might not invite you back. That's a boundary. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. There's a boundary here. Like, if you're going to be an angry parent, there's, 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 there's going to be hurt and consequences to that doesn't mean you're not going to get angry. Your kids aren't going to make you angry. But if you parent from anger, you're breaking a boundary that God has set that's not going to play out well in your life and your child's life. Rather, the boundaries bring them up in the discipline and the training and instructions of the Lord. Galatians 5.13, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. With freedom comes responsibility doesn't mean you just do what, like, we sometimes think of freedom as do whatever you want. And there's, there's something wonderful about being able to do whatever you want. The Bible doesn't say that. You were bought at a price. The shedding of Christ's blood to free you from sin and condemnation. And what God is saying is the response to that gift is living life within 
the boundaries that he has set. Not to just appease a God sitting on a golden throne so that he gets a sort of an ego trip. No, because he's like, I have a better way of life for you. Live within my boundaries so you can experience that life. He says, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So I was thinking about boundaries sort of all week and thinking about where do I set up boundaries, where do, where do I not, where have I not set up boundaries, and how is that influencing, which I would suggest you ask yourselves these questions. These are powerful conversations that you can have with friends, with your spouse, with your children. If you started to make a list of things you're saying yes to in your life, work responsibilities, family responsibilities, sports, school, studying, entertainment, and you begin to make a list and you go, where is their margin? And, you know, last week I invited you to make a list of what are the things that ultimately are most important to you? What are your priorities? And then go, do I have margin in my life to give time, energy, focus to those things that matter most? And I think, sadly, every Christian in here would probably put on their list, God is a priority. And yet, if you begin to make a list, and I too, how much margin is there for God? Have I set up boundaries to protect that priority? And I think sadly, where every Christian in this room and watching a line would put God on their list, I would ask, how much margin is truly available to God? And how much is available to entertainment? to sports, to work, social events, TV, Netflix. It, you begin to see very quickly that I've probably said yes to too many things, and it's, it's, it's affecting the things that matter most, my relationship with God. My well-being, my health, my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with my kids. The things that honestly, if you live to be 90 years old and you're on your deathbed, what are the things that you're going to say as you reflect on your life? That mattered. I'm glad I gave my time. I'm glad I said yes to that. And then what are all the other things you're going to go, what a waste of time. So what I did this last week is I did a case study on Jesus. He's, he's our leader. He's who we follow. He's who we are called to model. And I wanted to look through all the Gospels and, and look for boundaries. Because Jesus set them. Jesus used them. You know, here, here's, here's Christ, Son of God. He is, he is sent on mission. He's sent on mission from the Father to be born, to be uh, wrapped in flesh, to live, to teach, to love, to die, to be resurrected, to save humanity from death, condemnation, and sin. This was the vision 
that Jesus had. This was the perspective that Jesus had when he lived his life here on earth. He was passing through. This was not home. This was not the end-all, be-all. It was not about accruing a lot. It was not about having all the experiences that he could possibly have. This was short-term, and he had been sent on a mission. So what that meant is that he was going to have to say yes to things that aligned with his perspective and that mission, and he was going to have to say no to things that took him away, that distracted him, that tried to, to convince him to go, uh, you know, other, like do something else. He, he had to set boundaries because of the perspective and the vision that, he, that the Father had given him. So, I went through the Gospels, and I saw a, a number of, of sort of headings where you see Jesus using boundaries. Because I think, I think people tend to look at Jesus as sort of this all-encompassing, uh, all-welcoming, all-inclusive good guy. And really, the only people that he was sort of aggressive to were the bad guys. We love to make people either good guys or bad guys. And we do that when we read the Bible. We look at the people and we go, oh, they're good. Uh, and then we look at these and we go, oh, they're bad. And we look at, you know, the poor, the hurting, uh, the sick, and we're like, they're helpless. And Jesus was all welcoming. He healed them. He loved them. He said, welcome them in. Uh, and then we look at the Pharisees. We're like, they're bad. They're the bad guys. And Jesus was hard on them. And uh, that's okay because they were bad. And it's like, yeah, but all of us are at times Pharisees. At any point, you could be like in this, you could be the sick person. And then later, you could be the Pharisee. And I think what we do is we sort of, we, we say Jesus is all this and all that for these people uh, and not these people, but that's okay because these are good and these are bad. And yet the reality is like Jesus was not afraid to set boundaries, to say no, to speak truth, regardless of the audience. So, when I looked through the Gospels to see how Jesus did this, the idea is if Jesus did it, we should probably do it too. And let's see how Jesus did it so we can learn and seek wisdom and how maybe we should do it. So the first is Jesus accepted his personal limitations. And I mean, this was part of his incarnation, which is hard for us to understand. We have God. Jesus is fully God. And then incarnate means, you know, that he came in flesh. Like he's already, he's actually put himself in a boundary when he comes into the, to the earth because he's subject to the body. He's subject to like doing the routine things. Like he has to eat. He has to go to bed. He has to sleep. He has to go to the bathroom. You know, things that we just part of human nature, but we're talking about God. We're talking about, you know, the, 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 the son of God, like spirit. We're talking about, uh, you know, the author of life, he, he's not bound within these restrictions. And yet when he comes, the incarnation is part of Jesus in love saying, I'm entering this boundary because I love you. 
and I want to be with you and among you, and I want you to know that I understand what you're going through. That's a big message of the incarnation, why he came as a human. You can look at all other world religions and look at their, their, their deities, and it's all about getting to them and working so that you're a better person to get to them, where Jesus, Christianity, is he comes to us. It's, it's amazing. But he, he accepted these, like, the limitations that came with the incarnation. So when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every gospel, you see Jesus meeting his needs, his personal needs. He ate. Uh, he slept. He got sleep when he needed it. I would, I would think he took naps. He took time to relax. He had dinner with friends. He did a whole lot of walking. And you might go, well, yeah, they didn't have cars back then. Yet Jesus, do you remember that moment where he's in the crowd and then he just disappears? Like there's a moment where they want to kill him and he just disappears. Because it wasn't time to be killed yet. And Jesus is like, I'm out of here. He wouldn't have had to walk. He could have just said, meet me in Jerusalem, and then he disappeared. He could have done that. But he walked. Like, there's probably something to do with getting his 10,000 steps every day. I don't know. <laughs> but he recognized that there was personal needs, and he, uh, he accepted that, and he responded to meet those needs. But he also had emotional needs which I think sometimes we tend to forget. And that was, you know, he received support from friends. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he goes out to pray, he brings his closest friends with me, with him. And he tells them, like, I am disturbed. I am hurting. I am, I am struggling. Like, he realized he needed people, and he invited people in. He opened the door to invite people in when he had emotional needs. We see him enjoying solitude. He withdrew from the crowds often. He retreated alone with friends. There's, there's stories where people wanted more of him and he just would say, I'm leaving. I've got to go. There's, there's stories where the, the disciples wake up and they go, where is Jesus? He had gotten out before them to go and be with the Father. Like, look, this is priority and I'm going to set boundaries to make sure it stays as a priority. You see Jesus enjoying, you know, the moment, like these people at this place, at this time. He left one city to go to another because he knew, like, I, he couldn't be in two places at once. So he had to say no so he could say yes. And as busy as Jesus was and could have been, we see him practicing an unhurried pace. Of, he created margin for himself. So let me ask you, do you have boundaries in place around your limits, around your personal limits? What are ultimately your needs, your most important needs? And do you have margin in your life? Are you creating enough margin to meet those needs? And if you're not, if you're tired, you have got to start saying no and set up boundaries. No one is going to do it for you. Part of the freedom that has been given to you comes responsibility. And it is your responsibility 
the people pleasing has to stop. Stop saying yes to everything because you don't, you're afraid that you're going to hurt someone by saying no. You do more damage that way. So have you created boundaries around your life around your limitations, around your priorities? Second, Jesus said no to inappropriate behavior. Jesus knew how to say no. I, I do think that a lot of people just think Jesus is like, he's so welcoming and so inclusive that he, he would never say, yo, say no. He's the yes man. And yet, he said no often. He said no to demands. And I mentioned this earlier. He would withdraw, Luke 5, 15 through 16. He withdrew from the crowds who wanted him so that he would have one-on-one -on -one time with the Father. How many of you just feel the weight of demands on your life? The demands of being a friend, a spouse, like all the, dem all the demands at work, all the demands of the school schedules, and the, you know, all the demands that go with parenting. Jesus had a lot of demands. People wanted him. People wanted his presence. People wanted uh, his wisdom. They wanted his healing. They wanted him to do stuff for them. Like it was endless, the demands that were on Jesus. And he would set boundaries where he said, no, I can't, I've got to leave, I've got to go be alone. He said no, he set around a, a boundary around abuse. I mentioned this, there was this moment where in his hometown, the crowd got upset with him and they tried to throw him off a cliff for claiming he's the Messiah. They want to murder Jesus. And he goes, no, I'm not going not to let you. Or the woman who committed adultery. They want to stone her. They want to kill her. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to put up with that abuse. He said, no, he said, he said boundaries around entitlement. Here's someone who is completely entitled to all things. But there's this moment where his mother and his brothers try to use their relationship with him to pull him away from the crowd that he's ministering to. And he says, no, who's my mother? Who's my brother? He's setting a boundary. Like, I'm not going to treat you different. You are not entitled. I can't imagine that was easy for, for Mary to hear and his brothers. But he's setting a firm boundary there. That I will not, you will not be entitled to anything, you know, different because I've come for all people. Baiting questions. He was constantly trying to be baited by the religious leaders to make him look foolish. But he would always come back often with incisive questions of his own. Cynicism. He said no to Herod's mocking demand. Show us a sign that you are the son of God. No. Manipulation. He said no to Peter and the disciples who had an inappropriate agenda for Jesus to be a political king or a military warrior rather than the sacrificial lamb. 
No. He said no to, the, to Satan when he was tempted in the desert. Jesus knew how to say no. Why? Because his perspective, his vision, anything going up against that, no. Jesus spoke, oh, sorry, let me ask you a question. Can you say no? Can you say it? And what do you need to say no to to create more margin in your life? Next, Jesus spoke the truth and love to those who were stuck or wrong. He was not afraid to speak the truth. When the temple was being exploited, he used a whip to clear it out of the vendors and money changers who were taking advantage of the poor and turning God's house into a marketplace. He sets a boundary. My house will not be a place of exploitation. It will not be a market. It is a house of prayer. You do not get to cross that boundary. Addiction. And I don't think a lot of people look at this, but when you look at the story of the rich young ruler, he ultimately said, I cannot help you until you give away the money that is controlling you. The man was addicted to money. And Jesus is saying, look, you cannot love this or that or whatever it is more than me. And he says, sorry, until you're willing to let your addiction, the things that, that are your gods, until you're willing to let go of those things, you can't follow me. It's a hard truth, but it's the truth. He spoke the truth to the misguided disciples who tried to keep the little children away from him and told them they needed to emulate the children's faith. He, was, he spoke truth. Brene Brown has a great um, quote. It says, when we fail to set boundaries and hold people accountable, we feel used and mistreated. This is why we sometimes attack who they are, which is far more hurtful than addressing a behavior or a choice. In essence, we do more damage by not setting boundaries and holding people to those boundaries. So we must learn how to speak truth and confront each other in truth. Two more. Jesus had expectations for people in need. You see him going, what do you want? He would ask the people in need. Two blind men are call, call out from help, call out help uh, on Jericho Road, and he asked them, what do you want for me to do? Why? Well, they needed to ask for what they needed, and they needed to trust him. He asked, do you want to get well? The invalid for 38 years is at the sheep gate pool, and he feels, you know, helpless and he feels sorry for himself because he's never been able to get in the pool in time. And he expected someone to fix his problem. But Jesus challenges him, do you want to get well? Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. In essence, Jesus is saying, uh, asking him to be motivated and take responsibility for himself, to be a part of it, the healing. Do you believe a father sought deliverance for his son who was mute and had seizures and said to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us, help us. Jesus put it back on the father. If you can, everything is possible for him who believes. The father needed to believe that Jesus could cure his son. It's, it's not bad to have expectations. 
Jesus had them for people. He has them for us. Finally, Jesus taught us examples of how to, how to set boundaries. And we've talked a little bit about this, but um, he set aside personal time for prayer, for reflection, for time with the Father. He was honest. He was direct. When he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, he's just saying, be honest, be direct. But he spoke in love. He set priorities. In Luke 16, he says, no servant, can, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He set priorities, and we must too. He lived a life where he was, he was uh, driven to please God and not people. That was his priority. To please the Father, he didn't buy into the whole people-pleasing thing. And at times, that probably hurt people's feelings, but it was the right thing to do. See, boundaries, in essence, they communicate the beginning and end of our responsibilities. There's some things that you get blamed for that, quite frankly, it's unfair because it's not yours. It's not your responsibility to have. But boundaries are essential if we're to focus our lives on the things that God's entrusted us to. To create margin in our life to be able to say yes and give our all to the things that truly matter. So, as we close and as the band comes up, I, I think this practice is, is uh, vital for us, particularly as Americans. And that is to continually reflect by writing down, I would say, our commitments. And is there margin for the priorities? Is there the priorities of my life? And is there margin in your life to say yes to the things that God's entrusted you with? And what do you need to say no to? I know you want to have every experience and you want to be happy and you want your kid to be in everything, but like it, it, there gets to a point where it's too much and there's diminishing returns. In fact, there could be, there's harmful returns. So where do you need to set boundaries in your life? Where do you need to set boundaries in relationships? These are things that we have to learn to live, we have to be equipped to do so that we can truly see and live out lives that, like Jesus, who was on mission, who did things that ultimately really mattered and ultimately accomplished things that were eternal. And that's the, these are the same things that God wants for your life, to be a part of things that truly matter, that last eternally. To be a part of the kingdom that is coming and the kingdom that will last. So, during this uh, song, I'm going to invite you, if, if you came in um, and you grabbed a communion cup, I'm just going to invite you to take communion. Now, there are some boundaries around communion. 
First, uh, if you're not a Christian, meaning if you have not surrendered your life fully to God, you should not take communion. It's a practice uh, that is for those who have committed to follow Jesus. It's not, it's not a religious duty. So if you're not a Christian, if you truly have not professed fully your life to Christ, you should not do this. The other boundary is like if you have sin, if you have grievance against one another, uh, before you take communion, deal with it. Deal with your heart. Deal with your sin. It's a time to reflect. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time for us to say thanks to Christ for sacrificing his life. It's a time for us to proclaim that he will come again. It's a time for us to get right, to make, to just reflect and look at things that are wrong and say, because of what Jesus has done, because of his sacrifice, I, I can be made right. So I don't think there's a better time for us than now to look and say, what do I need to say no to? Where do I need to have hard conversations? Where do I need to set boundaries? Like God, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what I need so that I can live out the things you've, you know, live out the call that you've placed in my life and be, be faithful to the things you've entrusted me with. So, uh, during the next two songs, you take this. You can take it with others if you'd like, uh, but you reflect on what Christ has done and then you will come again. Remembering that the wafer represents Christ's body that was broken for you. The juice is the blood that was shed and the, the new covenant uh, that we belong to. So stand with me. I'm going to pray and we'll enter into a time of singing and communion. Lord Jesus, um, let our yes be yes and our no be no. Help us to set boundaries. Help us to recognize the responsibility you've placed on our individual lives. Help us to see and have a perspective that this is not home. This is not the beginning and the end. This is not the end all be all. That there's much more ahead of us than what lies behind. And I pray, God, that we would be a part of things that matter in this life and the next. And that we create margin to do that and be a part of it. So thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that we get to live these lives. Thank you that we get to even ask these questions. We get to do this. It's all because of you, Jesus. Amen.